Today is our last Sunday of this series called The Church. And um, yeah, we're ending the series today. So it's a really good Sunday to be here. Uh, last week was going to be the end of the series, and then I called an, uh, kind of an audible with the Evaldi uh, shooting, and I, I talked a little bit last week about um, how we as the church are to engage with our culture and world when things like that happen. And uh, so it pushed us back a week. Next week, we'll be starting a brand new series that I'm already getting fired up about. And um, I'm excited to see where God takes us with that series. My prayer is that this series has been um, helpful for you. Coming out of Easter... I re- actually, even before Easter, I really wanted to pre- preach a series on the church. And we haven't, I'd almost go so far as to say we've barely the surface. And it makes me extend the series, and it makes me want to preach another series in the fall or something on it. We'll see where God takes us. But, but there is so much to what it means to be the church, isn't there? It's just so full. And so seven weeks is, oh man, it's like, that's nah, barely touching it. But my prayer is that it's blessed you. Today, today I'm going to be ending with commitment. What does it look like to be committed to the church? So some of you might be thinking, dang it, this is the Sunday I chose to come here? Because I'm going to push a little hard this morning, uh, and I pray that it blesses you, and we'll, we'll just kind of see where it goes. I know it's blessed me. Hey, if you have your Bibles, the text we're going to use is Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 3. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 3. And then we'll start seeing why this little bike is up here. And why I got handcuffs here. What the heck is going on? What are you doing today, Seth? Well, let's just see where it goes, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in, okay? Man, Romans 12. Oh, gosh. Romans 12. You want to just go look at what it means to be a Christian Go read Romans 12. This baby's loaded. You could preach a series on Romans 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, there's that kind of idea of the church. For as in one body... For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy 
with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to necessarily preach the text today like I sometimes do. It's going to be focused a little bit more on commitment, and so we may jump around a little bit. Um, But let me pray, and then we're going to jump in to this text and some others. Lord, we just calm our hearts, and we just calm our minds right now. As we come to you, as we enter into your presence as we know that you're already here. We just come, we gather together, and we're ready to hear from you. What do you have for us, Lord? Lord, may may our hearts be opened to hearing. Not just our ears, but our hearts be opened to hearing and receiving. And um, may we be ready to do everything you might call us to do. Lord, these people here today are not here to hear from Seth. They're not here to hear little nice thoughts or little uh, nice little cute sayings or something like that. They want to hear from you. And so I pray that this would be a time where your spirit would move. This Pentecost Sunday where we celebrate the, the, the movement of the spirit of God. God, please keep doing that. Do that today. Move in our hearts. Do a work in us that only you can do. Shape us, mold us, grow us, use us, challenge us, encourage us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us this morning. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's our overview. Uh, I got it up here, kind of just, I'll slowly kind of click through this. This is what I've been preaching the past seven weeks. The church... Is what? Is it a place? Is it a building? Is it a, is it a location? We've argued the church is the people of God, okay? The people of God doing life together, sharing life with each other, which means what? Well, loving each other, enjoying each other, Sharing joy with each other, other even, even in the midst of, of, of hardship and trials. Um, um, enjoying each other, suffering with each other, right? Actually coming alongside and, you know, Jesus wept. Entering into suffering with each other and just sitting there and suffering with people. Uh, We've talked about how sharing life together is also like dealing with sin in the church. And so we don't just look outside the church and judge those. Paul would actually say we start inside the church and we deal with the sin that's in our midst. And so we're quick to repent. We're quick to forgive. This is what it means to be the church. We spent a Sunday talking about how we're never alone. When we're in communion with Christ, it puts us in communion with the church, his body. 
And so we're never alone. We're never alone as part of the church. We talked about how we begin already in the church to live out the new creation realities. Now, if you weren't here that Sunday, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's okay. You just got to go re-listen to that. We already are living out the new creation realities. We can start living in those things even now. And then we talked about how we as a church respond to the world. We are the kind of people who are moved because of our master. We are moved to compassion that drives us to prayer and to action. This is what it means to be the church. The people of God with these things. People, throw that back up there. Yeah, poo. This, this is what it means to be the church. That's kind of what we've talked about. Now, are there other things? Are there more weeks we could add and more topics? Yes, it's like a diamond. There's all sorts of different facets to this, right? But this is kind of what we've been portraying. This is what we've been saying. This is what it means to be the church. The people of God sharing life with each other. And this is what shared life kind of looks like. This is how we react and engage with the world and our culture and all those kinds of things. This is what we've been talking about with seven, for seven weeks. So what are we dealing with today? My question is, bring that back up, just leave that there for a second. My question is, how committed are you to this? How committed to you, to, to this, are you? Um, imagine this little bike, this is kind of my thought here. Imagine this bike represents all of that, okay? It's, it's like the one body with many parts kind of thing, right? It, it's on the move. I, like, I wanted something that was moving. It has movement. It's, it's not just a rock that's just sitting there. No, it's, it's moving. There's movement to this, okay? What if this was represented all of that? What I'm asking of you to think about is... What I want us to think about is, okay, how can we handcuff ourselves to this? Now, I asked my buddy Tom, who's in law enforcement, if I could utilize his handcuffs. And, and um, it was actually funny. A couple nights ago, Tom asked me back. He said, Seth, do you want a key with it? <laughs> I said, yes, Tom, I'd like a key with it, please. And so here's what I'm talking about. How can I handcuff myself to that mission? I want to be just locked in, baby, to that. That's what I want to just be locked into. I want to take the key, throw it away, and just say, I'm all in on what it means to be the church. How committed are we to this? Like we can't even, it's just with us now. Everywhere I go, it goes. Where it goes, I go. I'm absolutely devoted, committed to this. Now, again, if, if you're like, well, if you're kind of new here, you might be like, oh, okay, he's talking about you know, being absolutely committed to this place and he wants us to drink the Kool-Aid and then, you know, you know what I'm saying? And some of you are like starting to slowly get up and walk out because you're like, this is one of those fruitcake kind of churches. Well, you got to kind of been hanging with us the past seven weeks to understand what I'm saying. I'm asking you to lock into. This is what I'm asking you to lock into. 
How committed are we? Now, I am going to unlock myself for a second, only because, oh, snap. Okay, I'm okay. Only because I don't want to carry that bike around the whole time. Uh, yep. No, I, hey, I got a past, guys. I got a past. So I know how to get out of these things. Just going to put that up here for a second. Okay, so here's, I want to be locked in. I want to be locked into this. Now, there's a couple different ways you might get moved today. One, one, how I want to first start by trying to move you is by first saying this thought. Here's my, here's my point. Jesus is absolutely committed to you. Jesus is absolutely devoted and committed to you. He's locked himself in with you. All through scripture, all through the Old Testament, if you walk through this baby, all through the New Testament, time after time after time, what do we see? We see God being devoted, committed to his people. Time after time. And so we might ask a question like, well, how committed is he? How devoted is he? Well, that's where we start to look at, well, how committed is he? How far will he actually go to show you how committed he is? This is when Jesus lays aside his state of glory, enters into the state of humility, puts on flesh in a way he's never done before. He does this literally 2,000 years ago. He puts on flesh and blood, is born of the Virgin Mary, enters into our world, lives a perfect life. He's God. This is Yahweh, Yahweh in the flesh, coming, and then what does he do? I mean, it culminates in his dying on a cross. And this God of history, this God of the world, goes to a cross and dies. And he does it so that he might, what? Take your sin upon himself and pay the price so that you can be offered like you were this morning, forgiveness and salvation. And not only forgiveness and a right relationship with God, but one where actually you can be in a relationship with God now where he delights in you. It's a relationship that's now at the center of a relationship with God is one of joy. Wow. Are you kidding me? See, it's not just keeping you away from hell. It's this, it's this eternal enjoyment with God himself. And he did this for you. How far will he go? He'll go to a cross for you. He'll rise from the dead for you. He defeats sin, death, the power of the enemy. He does this for you. How committed is he to you? He is faithful. Even when we are faithless, Paul will say to Timothy in 2 Timothy here, even when he is, we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. And so when we enter into the waters of baptism and we put on his death and resurrection, we put on Christ, Galatians 3, 26, uh, 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 Paul says, we put him on, he can't even, he is so faithful because We've got a new name. We've got a new identity. And that new identity is him. Wow. 
Holy smoking. How committed is he? He's so committed to you, and he's already proven it. He has not, listen, he has nothing else to prove. Now, he has promises to fulfill, and they will be fulfilled, but he has nothing more to prove. It's, it's been done. We can look back. It is finished, I heard. Amen. How far will he actually go? What if Jesus, in his relationship with you, what if Jesus, instead of being faithful, what if he was casual? What if Jesus was casual? Like you didn't ever know fully if he was going to be in it or not. Like you didn't know. Like if you, if you messed up too bad, like ugh, he's like not there anymore or he's kind of dealing with somebody else. What if, God, what if God was casual with you, like in relationship with you? Hey, you're down at the food bank hanging with Pam, so yeah, I'm there with you. But now you're over here, so I'm going to come not be with you. Like, what if God was just casual like that? What if we didn't know he's with us? What if we didn't know there was forgiveness? What if, what if we didn't know we could wake up each morning to his mercies that are new? What if we didn't know? What if he was casual? See, it quickly leads us to a question where we ask, like, how committed are we to him? How committed are we to the church? Are we committed or are we casual? Now, you're committed to a whole bunch of stuff, aren't you? You're committed to all sorts of stuff. There's not a single person in here that's sitting in one of these chairs only in their underwear. Why is that? Now, some of you watching online, you're like, what's up? I got that on you. Some of you right now, eating Cheetos. We know who you are. You guys are freaks. There's not a single person here. Why? Because you are committed. You are absolutely devoted to waking up each morning and putting on clothes. You are absolutely committed. You are absolutely devoted to making sure you get food in your body each day. There are some of you that actually have excuses like, oh, I'm just not a super, I'm not a super like organized, committed kind of person. That's not true. You make commitments and about all sorts of different things. You make sure you brush your teeth. You're committed to that, some of you, Maybe. I had a grandpa. He didn't brush his teeth ever. Yeah. He's passed on now, so <laughs> take notes, as the dentist would say. Nah, I love my grandpa. But yeah, he didn't brush his teeth. He just toothpicked it. Um, how? Like, you're devoted to all that stuff. You're, devo you're a devoted person. How devoted, how committed are you to the church, to Jesus? Now, it's right here where we start to make this interesting, and I think a lot of people do this. We start to make this interesting, have this thought, where we're like, well, I'm devoted to Jesus, but I don't necessarily need to be devoted to the church. Huh. If you jump to Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, where, where, it's, where it's just fascinating, and this happens in a couple different places, but it says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. God has so connected himself. He has so connected himself to the church 
that to make a statement like, I can, I can be with Jesus and I can hang with him, but I don't have to be connected to the church. We've got to spend some time thinking about this. Because what's happened is we've gotten into this mindset where we've thought something like, well, I want some of the good stuff from Jesus. Like, you know, somebody told me I'd maybe go to hell, so I you don't want to go to hell. And if, if I can, you know, have a couple other things in my corner, okay, right, let's throw Jesus in my corner so that when, you know, people come and canvas my neighborhood, I can say, yes, I believe in Jesus, slam the door shut kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, you want to have that kind of with you, and some of you have that. But then when it comes to a commitment, a devotion um, to the local church, we're, we're kind of like, well, I don't need to be, I don't need that. And it's funny because what we do is we set up this scenario where we, we kind of pick and choose and Jesus is kind of there. This is what I've talked about before. I've preached this, which is, which is super prevalent, not only in our culture, but in even, and I would say, especially in the church, this idea of moralistic, therapeutic deism, where we believe in God at some level. We, we think that it's primarily a relationship built on morality, what I do and my faithfulness and how faithful I might be. And then therapeutic being, if God, you know, you can come and help me out once in a while, that'd be good. But otherwise, I want to rule my own life. And I want to do things my own way. I want to stay in control. Is that, is that biblical? See, it depends on what kind of church we're talking about. Let me just break something down for you for a second. It depends on if we're talking about big C church or little C church. Now, let me define this a little bit. Big C church is the body of Christ. Let's just call it that. It's the body of Christ. It is what it means to be. If you are connected to Christ, you are part of his family. You're a sheep, not a goat. You are you are part of the family of God. You're part of the body. You're the bride. You're all the stuff that's talked about in Scripture. You just are. Theologians talk about this as the una sancta. That's, that's like the una sancta, the one holy. The one holy Christian church. The una sancta. You either are in it or you're not. I would suggest, now just follow my thinking here. This is going to maybe push you a little bit. I would suggest that if you attempt to reject and push aside the una sancta, you are pushing aside and rejecting Christ himself. So, now somebody might say, what do you mean by that? Well, this is what I mean. God has so connected himself to the church, he is the head, we are the body, that if we attempt to push aside the Unisancta, the one holy Christian church, the church, what it means to be the church of God, man, you are, you are right on the verge, you are right there pushing aside Jesus himself. I mean, come on up here and give me a slap across the face, see what I do. But now come up and slap my wife. Man, the way in which we treat the bride of Christ. We've got to be thoughtful about this. What does it mean to be absolutely devoted 
to the Unas content. Now, this is where somebody, especially those who don't know me, you know, maybe it's your first Sunday out or something, you're like, okay, this is where he's really trying to pitch hard the dwelling. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Now, this I would call the little, I would call the dwelling little C church. I would call the local church little C church. Now, that what that means is this. It it doesn't mean you have to be connected to the dwelling. Although I will say this, there is something to be said about a local church. I mean, you look in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I got that up here. They are devote themselves. The early church is devoting themselves to what? The apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the, to the prayer, and to the fellowship. What is it? They're, they're gathering together. They're coming together in a local way. I could talk to you about Paul writing to the church of Philippi, or the church of Colossa, or the church of Galatia, churches of Galatia. I mean, the church of Ephesus, or the churches in Rome. There's a localized sense. There's a a, a, a local body of the church. And there's some, there's a connection between big C and little C. There's overlap. There's overlap. Now, how much overlap in exactly each, every single congregation? I'm not even going to get into that today. I'm going to leave you to do a little bit of thinking on your own. But what I will say is this. I'm not pitching the dwelling. This isn't the... You, I would argue if you want to be a, if you want to be, see, what I'm arguing is that you're committed to the, the list of what we've been talking about. So if you and three or four other people want to get together and do the list, fine. You want to be the body of, the, the, the people of God gathered together doing life with each other, sharing life with each other, loving each other, enjoying each other, suffering alongside of each other, walking with each other, never alone, already living out new creation realities even now, engaging together with the culture, being the kind of people who have compassion that moves us to prayer and action. Go ahead and do that out of your house. I would argue that person is then entering into a local congregation where maybe there's, a, there's shepherding that's taking place, where, where the, the gift of evangelism is taking place. Some of the things here in Romans 12 is beginning to happen. Fine. But stop using that as this excuse to say, I believe in Jesus. I don't really agree with what's going on in the church today. What are you doing? Backing off of the church is not the answer. See, I would suggest, I'm going to give you two images in just a second here. I'll cue it up. I would suggest entering into the local church, a local church of some kind, should look a little bit like Getting into the cockpit of a fighter jet. Go ahead and throw that picture up. Okay. You get into a fighter jet cockpit, and you're in there with maybe one or two other people, right? Once you're in that cockpit, and you blast off, now you are going in a certain direction with a certain mission, and you are going after stuff. You're talking to the person behind you. You're communicating different things, right? but you are absolutely zeroed in on committing yourself to this particular local 
I'm in the cockpit with you. Now, there is, see, I would argue there is no eject button on the Una Sancta. You can't just jump out of that. When it comes to a local church, there is an eject button. You can get out of a local church. You could leave the dwelling. But when you leave, it should feel like you're leaving the cockpit of a fighter jet. It should be thought out and with a good reason and then beep and then whoosh and now what should it be going towards? Well, some other cockpit that you commit yourself to for a specific purpose of what God's doing. This could be the dwelling. It could be another local church around here. I'll point people to other churches around here at times. You know, I do sometimes, uh, I do chapel at Mission Northeast, and I always plug a bunch of churches. When Anytime I'm talking to people at Mission Northeast, I plug some of the other churches where I know people will hear the gospel on a regular basis. I know the dwelling isn't for every person. That's fine. It doesn't freak me out. I mean, I think of how committed Jackie and I are to this church. I mean, we're absolutely just committed to this, like, God, you have us here. We are devoted. We are committed. Do I think that we will be here forever? I don't know. What if God calls us to move to Kansas or calls us to move to New York or California? I don't want to move to California. I don't want to move to New York. I don't want to move to Kansas. But if God calls us to hit the eject button, we'll do it. We'll do that. I don't want to. I love the dwelling. We're committed to the dwelling. I love the Texas. I love this community. I love our neighborhood. I love our house. We don't want to leave. If God wants us to, though, we'll be faithful and we'll follow him. And so God might call you to something like that. That's fine. But that should feel like leaving a cockpit of a, a fighter jet. It's kind of a one and done. It's for a purpose. It's because something's going on. Maybe terrible things are happening in the church and you need to eject out. Fine. But what you can't turn the local church into is my next image. This I call trolley church. Now trolley church is going about two miles a day. Trolley church is going... Super slow, slow enough that you can just step off and step back on. And I kind of like just going on a little trolley church because I just get to go where I want to go. And then as soon as I see some hardship or trials up there, there's a trolley going this way to get ice cream. So I get off my trolley and I go get on another little trolley. The trolley church annoys the heck out of me. I'll be honest with you. Because trolley church, you're on there, and you're just kind of going along, and there's going to be, you know, you're going to go around a corner at some point, and you're going to see a battle up ahead. You're going to see war. You're going to see suffering, hardship, trials, false doctrine. You're going to see stuff up ahead. Okay, what are you going to do? Every time that happens, you're just going to step off and step back on and step off and step back on? 
or are you going to get zeroed in? Are you going to lock yourself in and say, we're going we're gonna to weather this. We're going to walk through this. We're going to struggle through this. And, and potentially, it gets to a situation where you're in the cockpit and you hit the button and you eject. Fine. Let's stop getting on and off and on and off. Do you see what I'm kind of trying to say today? I sure hope so. There's so many excuses today to not get connected to a local church. Some are because of how hard it is, hardship and trials and hypocrisy that is seen in the church. Some of it is church wounds. Some of you have been wounded by the church. Somebody said something about you. Somebody looked at your kid the wrong way. Somebody did whatever. All sorts of different things have happened. And we have tons of excuses to not get plugged into a local church and devote ourselves to it, commit ourselves to it. Tons of excuses. Some of the excuses are actually like good though. These are the two temptations by the enemy. Suffering and hardship and life is great and going awesome. So some of you are just so busy because you got a lot of good things going on. You got a lot of good things going on. Stuff's happening every Sunday morning. Every, stuff's always going on because you got a good life. You got enough money. You can go make stuff happen. You can do stuff. You can have a lot of fun. And so either there's incredible hardship and suffering or there's uh, life is really good and going really well, and so it doesn't matter. You got a million excuses. Hebrews 10, 25, you knew this verse would come up at some point. I mean, this is a classic one, but man, it is amazing. It is amazing to me how, how prevalent this text is and how important this text is for us. Don't, now I'm gonna quote it in the NIV because that's how I memorized it as a kid. Don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The gathering of the, the saints. This, listen, guys, I'm not talking about just Sunday mornings. You, you guys, some of you are thinking, okay, he's trying to get me to join the, the coffee team. That's not even what I'm talking about. What I'm actually talking about is Tuesday at 2 o'clock. See, are we as a church devoted to the local church and devoted to, the, to, to Christ and devoted to our community on Tuesday at 2 o'clock? Are we util See, the question quickly becomes that we have to ask is something like this. Not so, much, not so much what can I get out of the church, but we actually start, need to start asking a question like, what can I give? This goes to our text. This is straight from Romans 12, right? Verse 6. Romans 12, verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. And so if you have the gift of prophecy, which everybody gets so scared about the gift of prophecy, but that's all this prophecy is, is something like this. You're able to take the word of God and apply it to a specific situation where somebody needs to hear that specific word. That's all it is. So that means you might know a Bible verse like, don't be anxious and don't fear. You might know somebody who's been afraid and who's been anxious, okay? So you call them on Tuesday at two o'clock and you say, hey man, I just got the sense that you're being anxious and you're fearful. And I just wanted to share with you that you know God is with you and God actually says you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be fearful. He's with you, and I'm with you too. Just letting you know that. See, at, on Tuesday at 2 o'clock, when you use your gift of pro prophecy, 
When you use a prophetic gift because you have that gift of being able to take a word and bring that word into a specific context, you're operating as the body of Christ in that local community. Had nothing to do with giving out donuts on Sunday morning. Do you see what I'm saying? Man, some of you, I just got to applaud you. Some of you are so devoted to our church. I'm blown away by your commitment to the local church. I'm blown away. Literally, I've learned more from some of you. I know this to be true. I've learned more from some of you than you've learned from me about this. And that's been really cool these past five years to see, you know, I get, you know, I get a paycheck. I actually get paid, right? That's pretty cool. Some of you are working your tails off and doing stuff, and then your commitment still to the local church just blows my mind. I'm just like, holy smokes. They are just so devoted. They're just absolutely committed to what God is up to. This is why, like, for even, I'm not a huge membership guy. I don't like talking membership of churches because I just want people to come and hear and just bask in God's grace and forgiveness. But we do have a membership process. At the end of that membership process, we actually have people write their signature and sign their name. And the whole, the whole idea is commitment. You're, sign, you're saying, yes, I'm absolutely committed to this. Do you have to do that in order to be saved? If you don't sign your name, are you rejecting Christ? No, that's the distinction I was making before. You follow that? I am saying you should be connecting to some local church, to some local place. Maybe it's your house, and you're just going to say, we're going to do life with these five people. Okay, but then actually do that instead of that being the extent that you use to not do that. Each of you has been given gifts of God that is needed in the local church. I'm going to end with that quick. Each of you has been given gifts that's absolutely needed in the local church. And um, if I were to have another Sunday of this series, I'd go into that even more. Go take some spiritual gifts inventory. You can look them up. You can go free spiritual gifts inventory. Take a, take a gifts inventory. Look, try to kind of start thinking about, yeah, what are the gifts that God is calling me to use? Maybe it's starting by plugging into just some team where you help set up and do things and you, 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 you give out coffee and donuts or you join the welcome. That's a great, those are great places to start. Maybe it's calling people on, on Tuesdays at 2 o'clock and just talking to them. Maybe it's just praying for people. You have that gift of prayer and you just you love just praying and praying and praying. Do that every night before going to bed. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday morning thing. But commit, committing ourselves, locking ourselves. Go ahead and bring that list back up because I want to make sure you really walk away with that. Locking ourselves in. Locking ourselves in, locking ourselves into that. Not the dwelling, I'm not saying that. To that. To the stuff we've been talking about the past seven month, weeks. How committed are we? Jesus is absolutely committed to you. 
He's all in with you. He's all in. That's an incredible thing. So I think it's appropriate for us to spend one week just talking, how committed are we to Christ? How committed are we to, to, to the church? You got questions about this? You want to wrestle through this some more? Let's talk. Let's talk about it. Let's wrestle through it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the church, the body of Christ that we get to be part of. And with connecting with that body, the, the amount of blessings we get is truly incredible. Lord, help us to get off that trolley church stuff. Help us to blow that one up. Um, Lord, I pray that you would lead us to a place of, of cockpit fighter jet church. Um, where we lock in, where we lock in and, and we, with other believers, do the things you're calling us to do. Lord, I praise you for the local church. I know there's hypocrisy in the local church. That's definitely, there's sin in there that, that we got to weed out. Are there bad things that take places in local churches? Yes. Are we full of sinners like crazy? Yes. There's all sorts of brokenness. But I praise you for the local church. I thank you for a place where we get to just do life together, share life together as your people, your redeemed people. Sinners, yeah. Forgiven, yeah. Thank you for that, Lord. Lord, give us the courage to keep taking next steps. Give us the courage to keep taking next steps. For some, the handcuffs are on their arm and they want to they put the handcuffs around some local church somewhere. Some place where the, the stuff being talked about has taken place. Give them the courage to do it, Lord. Give them the courage to take those steps. Fill them with your spirit. Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday, this day we celebrate, your spirit coming upon the church. God, we know that, that you do that, not just so that we can play church, but that we get to be the church out in this world, expectantly waiting for your return. And you will be with us for all of eternity. We look forward to that, Lord, and we just keep our eyes fixed on that, and we do it together. In Jesus' name, amen.